Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning, City Collective family. Thanks for being a part of our online service here on this last weekend of July 2021. It's hard to believe that we are already almost all the way through July. We've got a great month of August to look forward to, and we are really pumped as a team for what we have in store for us as a church in the month of September. Conversations with the principal of HD Stafford, conversations with the school board are pointing and indicating and giving us a lot of uh, excitement and hope that we're going to be back in in our home building come uh, September 12th. So circle that on your calendars. Keep that in mind. August is going to be a little bit of a mishmash of different opportunities for us to engage as our teams prepare to get back in that rhythm of launching on a Sunday morning, of preparing and setting up. And we're really looking forward to it. We're excited about what God has in store for us. And we just want to look forward to doing that together. So if you have any questions, I always want to make my door feel like it's wide open. Uh, You can feel free to email me at jason at citycollective.com and we could grab coffee. I can hopefully answer any questions via, via email. And I'm just looking forward to just seeing your beautiful face sooner rather than later. Now, uh, we are in the middle of a series where we are walking through the book of Psalms called the Songs of Summer. We've had uh, some great con- conversations already about the heart of the Psalms, where David is coming from, where the psalmist is writing from, and how that is going to meet us in the spaces that we are at. Uh, I know for myself, when I think about uh, the songs of summer, there's certain ones that come to mind, and everyone's got their favorite song, everyone's got their favorite album, and, and we kind of live in a, a time and place where we are all about the single. We don't really listen to as much to maybe full albums, or maybe some of you are better than me. Maybe you do more than that, uh, than more than I normally do, but uh, I am prone to listening to a song instead of an album. And in particular, I'll listen to a song that really just like catches my attention because the beat is good. And I'm, I'm that person. For those of you uh, audiophiles that love the full trajectory of music and storytelling throughout an entire album, uh, I am that person that will say that I like a song because it catches my attention with a really catchy beat and I don't really know the lyrics fully. But I do know this, that there is often a story being told. There are lyrics that are being presented which are heartfelt. Sometimes they're not so heartfelt, sometimes they are. But in the midst of it, I can sometimes miss it. I, I think back to like what's my favorite album in the last little bit. Ezekiel, he asked me this question recently. He asked me, what is your favorite album that if you could listen to it on repeat, what is one that you've really enjoyed in these last couple of years? And the right answer should always be some kind of like worship album and something like that. But if I'm being truthful, there was an album that came out probably, I think it was four years ago, five years ago, from Chance the Rapper called Coloring Book. And Mark and I were roommates at the time. And we had that thing on repeat in our house constantly. It was constantly playing. It got the vibe going. And it had a couple of drops within the album that just whew, gave you the tingles. You know, those kind of moments in music that make you remember exactly what gets you a, a little bit excited. And so uh, 
I, I know that there are favorite albums. I know there are favorite songs. And I know that I am guilty of hearing a beat and not hearing the lyrics. And sometimes I think that even though we have a favorite psalm, even though we have a favorite portion of the psalms, even though we like the way that a certain psalm makes us feel, we're not actually hearing the words. We're not, we're not seeing the grander story being told. It might be a favorite, but maybe it hasn't actually captured us in the way the writer has intended. And this is what we sometimes do with the Bible. So my hope for us this morning is that the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to you in the space that you're at where you can discover who God is in the psalm that we're reading. That it's more than just a beat, but the words really capture your attention. So David, he's rocking this mixtape three millennia after he's penned these words. They're still resonating in our souls. And, and this week we're spending time specifically in Psalm 142, which, which is more of a, of a ballad. It's a little slower. Um, the author is conflicted. There's, there's a heartfelt cry to God. And so we're going to read these seven verses in Psalm 142 together. And here's the thing. I, I, I want you to picture it in the context of the superscription that is provided along with this uh, portion of uh, text. It, it is a prayer from when he was in a cave, a prayer from when David was in a cave. He's on the run. And the context of it is these words are coming from a man when he's on the run and he's in this cave. And there's two points in his life where this is kind of taking place. And they take place between 1 Samuel chapter 20 all the way through uh, chapter 24. But we're going to read really particularly from verse, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. So we're going to read those two pieces of scripture together. I hope you're with me. I want you to know even that little piece of superscription, it provides context to us because we need to ask the question, how do the Psalms express the emotions and outcomes of the characters and events of those stories? How is it actually reflecting the trueness of the moment for David and hopefully the trueness of the moment for us? So let's read together. Psalm 142, starting in verse 1. And it says this, it says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When the spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see. There's no one at my right hand and no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. This is the heartfelt cry of a man who feels completely isolated and at the end. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 22 together so that we get a little bit of context. And it says that David left Gath and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those were in distress who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Would you pray with me this morning? 
So, Heavenly Father, we just believe right now that your word is going to meet us in our spaces, in our homes, wherever we're listening, wherever we're coming to you. I pray that our hearts cry, come from this honest place to your throne, and we just know with confidence that it will be received and shown so much love and the grace and the things that we need to move through it and past it and to be heard in the midst of our struggle. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church family. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, this psalm, this psalm is a cry from a cave. It is a, a man on the run. And the progression seems to go, to go from complaint to cry for help to claiming who God is and who he knows God to be. So have you ever been there? Where you feel like you're at the end of yourself and you're making a heartfelt cry to God. And you almost feel as if you need to just let loose. That there's all this pent up aggression and frustration and annoyance within you about your current predicament. That you feel as if you were about to explode. You're like a can of Coca-Cola that has been shaken and shaken and shaken. And it's like you're, you need to be poured into a glass so and just so carefully, so, so delicately. It needs to be opened up so that there is a release of all that is being pent up so that you can actually get to the good stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You get a nice cold glass of, of Coca-Cola. You, you pop the can. It's full of ice. You pour it in. What do you get on the top? Well, you get a little bit of those bubbles. You get a little bit of that foam. But that's not really what you want to st have stay there. And it might fill the cup. It might actually go to the top, but you want it to dissipate. You want it to go away. You want it to maybe not be there anymore so that you can fill it up with the rest of that good old Coca-Cola. Insert favorite soft drink of choice. What I'm trying to say with this here is, is something I think we can learn even just from the posture that David feels like he can take with God. Sometimes I must empty my complaint out to make room for praise that is welling up within me. I need to make room by releasing my complaint to make room for the praise that is welling up within me. And this can be confusing at times because for many of us, we have been taught that unless we can come to God the right way, unless we can come to God with the perfect approach and feeling and emotion, we can't come to him at all. But the fact of the matter is a lot of us don't enter into God's presence because we are scared of what will happen if we really opened ourselves up. That we don't speak honestly because we are afraid of how God might respond. It's difficult for us to tell God how we're feeling. And it's funny because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. That our God is all-knowing. So he knows our frustration. He knows our struggle. And our confession, our lament is more about our healing than God's hearing. We, we, we live in a brush brush off your shoulder kind of culture that you got to just hike up those those boots and get get up that if you got to stop crying otherwise I'll give you something to cry about and that mentality has almost become the way that we approach God we're almost afraid to go to God and and speak honestly and have a cry from our heart because we are afraid of God responding well stop crying because I'll give you something to cry about instead 
I want you to discover this morning a God that wants to meet you in your struggle to be your safe place, to be your refuge, and for you to hear, my child, I love you, I am with you, and I am for you. Sometimes we need a change in our perspective of God in order to actually come to God. God is only, he is the only truly safe place for me to pour out my complaint. And unfortunately, if I don't learn how to pour out my complaints in God's presence, they will spill over someone somewhere else. Where? Where are these places? Where? Bad habits, they become outlets. Unhealthy, toxic relationships. Uh, actions like, like gossip or self-deprecation. Instead of, instead of actually going to healthy places of, of challenge and formation, we end up posting everything on Facebook where there is no accountability. We have the outflow of our complaints actually lead us to an unhealthy attachment to habits and actions that God does not desire for your life or for mine. Isn't that often the case that when we are in a space of complaint, we want to escape, and so we go to these bad habits, these dulling kind of spaces that draw us farther from where God wants us to be when in fact God is calling us closer to him in our moments of complaint, saying, bring it to me, let me give you rest. Bring it to me, let me show you my healing. Bring it to me, I'm going to hear you in a way that no one else can, and when I hear you, you will be healed because you'll be in my presence. I'm with you and I'm for you. The presence of God is not a place to bypass your emotions. The presence of God is a place to process them. So this is what David does. Uh, we, we read it together. He comes with complaint at the beginning, and he speaks honestly and truthfully. God, I don't feel you, but I need you. God, I need you to come to my rescue. And we need to go through this process of changing our mindset and attitude that God wants you to be at. And in order to do that, we need to start from where we really are. God does not want to be healing the masks that we present to him. I'm doing good. I, I've got nothing wrong in my life right now. You know what? That was really hard to deal with, but it had no impact on me. That is not human. That is not heroic. That is just not bringing your honest self before an honest God that he will meet us in that struggle. So wherever you are this morning, let's start there. God, this is where I'm at. I'm frustrated with my workplace. I'm frustrated in my marriage. I'm frustrated in my relationship. I can't get any quiet time, it seems, because of the busyness of my life. I'm not content in any of the spaces that I'm in. God, would you meet me? I don't know where you are, and you are crying out to God, but crying out from an honest place allows us to come before an honest God who's going to speak with this truth that I've known all these things, and despite me knowing all these things, I have never stopped loving you. I've never stopped advocating for you. I've never stopped forgiving you. That all those things were not the reason I did it, so they're not going to be the reason I stopped doing it. And when we come to that place of 
comfort and assurance and security, I promise you, church, that the complaints of our life no longer become the control upon our life, but instead become an opportunity to come before our beautiful Savior. The, the title in the text of this, this companion piece, this, this is a companion piece to Psalm 57. And Psalm 57 is really interesting because it was, uh, it was more, more hopeful. It was more happy. Whereas this one's a little bit more complaining and it's a little bit more, more during Psalm 57 is bold and it's animated and it's almost enjoying the situation for the certainty of its triumphant outcome. But in the present Psalm, the strain of being hated by people and hunted is almost too much to bear. And their the writer's faith is at full stretch. And the very first words that are spoken by David, it opens by saying, I cry aloud, out loud. Now, this is for everyone because we all process differently. But how do you process? Do you process uh, more internally or externally? I know that I'm more of an internal processor, whereas uh, my beautiful wife, Adriana, is a more of an external processor. And so sometimes the way that we process comes into conflict because one needs one space and another needs uh, one space, and then it can be a difficult conversation to have. But sometimes this is what I find within my internal processing, that my internal processing, when it is purely within the space of my mind, can actually become a dangerous place that I go to to escape the reality of my emotions. I tell myself the lie that I'm trying to process when I'm actually trying to escape. In my mind, it can sometimes be dangerous thoughts because I have already ceded that territory to my negative, uh, my negative thoughts. My experience has painted it in a negative light. But when I am speaking out loud, I find that there can be a balance for myself. I'm not saying that all you internal processors need to become an external processor. But what I am saying is that you can't just keep it all inside. There is something to praying out loud. There is something to crying out loud. And what would it be if you just started to take a little bit of time every day this week? What if we did this together as a church for next seven days all together every morning? You took a moment and you just cried out loud to God and you just communicated honestly. Maybe it's been a great morning. God, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my, my job and for the, the provision that you provided for me. Or maybe it's the honest truth of a struggle that you're in. God, my heart is broken. My head is heavy. My heart is just past the point of any return. And I just need some help. I need your rescue. But to vocalize it, to speak it forward is not to actually keep it all within ourselves to bubble up and boil over into complaint, but it is actually to speak it out so that you can see it for what it really is. Sometimes I've discovered within my internal processing that until I speak it out, I don't actually recognize maybe a lie that I am holding on to for myself. Maybe you're going to discover a lie. Maybe you're going to discover a truth, but it brings some clarity to the situation when we sometimes cry aloud, out loud. These moments of loud prayer are powerful reminders of the ways that we feel, the things that we've said, and the actions that we've undertaken not preventing us from being accepted by a loving, caring God. God hears it, 
and know this truth never stops loving you. And sometimes we need to hear that in the midst of our struggle. God is in the depressed place. God is in the darkest place. And God is in the cave. He's in the cave with David. And he's in those caves that we go to ourselves. So let's, let's go back to our scripture real quick. In, in the context of this psalm, a cave in the moment of distress is where David has found himself. Let's not forget, David, King David to be, is a giant killer. He's a future leader of an entire nation that God has anointed. Have you ever noticed that, have you ever had circumstances that seem to be in conflict with your calling? Have you ever had circumstances that seem to be in conflict with your calling, that seem confusing, that seem to contradict all the ways that you feel like God has spoken truth? Know today that if you're in that season, that you've got circumstances that are in contradiction to your calling, that the calling is not diminished, the calling is not forgotten, the circumstances are just a space of formation. The circumstances can be a place of learning. A circumstance that you're in can be a place to discover who God is in such a powerful way that when the calling comes, it's less about you and it's more about him. So this is what David is discovering. He's got circumstances that seem to be in conflict with his calling. In, in 1 Samuel 22, David is, is on the run. And he has found a, a safe place, a cave in Adulma. And in verse 1, it says that he has left Gath. He's left Gath. And now, do some, do some Bible study with me right here. In chapter 21, it tells of David fleeing from Saul, King Saul. And he's actually going to a place called Gath. And if you remember the famous story of David and Goliath, let me remind you that Gath is our home of our not-so-friendly giant. David has gone to a place where he has just defeated their champion. He's in enemy, enemy territory. He probably still has the sword that actually cut off Goliath's head. He's in a place where he does not belong. But he can't be in the throne room of Israel. He can't be in the place where he feels like he should belong because of the now tense relationship between the current man with the crown and himself. He seems like he can't be anywhere. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you don't fit anywhere? This is what our guy David is feeling. And it says that he escapes from Gath. And then in 1 Samuel 22, in those first couple verses, it says that David escapes where? To this cave. And then if we look at this, this passage of scripture, he escapes to the cave. And then at the very end, he names the cave for what it became. It became a prison. The place he escaped to became his prison. When we are running from something, how does that affect the choices that we make? Because everybody has a means of escape, whether it, is, uh, so, whether it is a healthy one or an unhealthy one. We all look for moments to escape and ways to escape. I have unhealthy ways that I have had to work through that I can escape into, and I can still find myself dangerously going to those escape tendencies in moments, whether it is a, a dependency that we have, an, an addiction that has, been a, that has been a part of your story, whether it is uh, isolation and, and allowing loneliness to be the way that you feel like you have to deal with this season, whether it is the, 
the means in which you start to treat other people and lose yourself. We have escapist tendencies that draw us away from who God wants us to be, and we need to identify them in our story. And we, because we say this to ourselves, I'm just going to do this for a little while till everything gets better. But every space that we choose to occupy, everything that we give voice in our stories has an impact upon who we are. Because here's the principle. The way you escape can lead to greater captivity. So what are our habits of escape? There's, there's this great quote from Alistair Begg, and he says that Christianity is not about escaping the difficulties of life. It's about learning how to face those difficulties. For David, the cave was not the place that he needed to end up in. The, the cave wasn't the place that he just needed to stay in forever. And we know this because of the calling upon his life, but also the lack of contentedness in his life. The Bible says that David escaped from Gath and he was safe from the spear of Saul, and he went to this supposedly safe place. He went to the cave, and it says in Psalm 142, from the cave, I'm not surprised by who's surrounding me to kill me, but I'm surprised by who's surrounding me and who, that no one cares about me. There, there becomes this progression of, I know I might be safe, but I feel so alone. Nobody's with me. Who's on my right hand? But the truth is, what we see in 1 Samuel 22 is that he really wasn't alone. That he had friends and, and family actually come and join him in the cave. His family came to be with him. And the Bible says, says that they, were, they made the trip to come and be present with him. But it also says that all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented, gathered around him. That's not maybe the most necessary bunch that you feel like you want around you in that moment. But all this to say that there is a difference between being surrounded and being supported. There's a difference between being surrounded and being supported. David is surrounded, but he does not feel supported. There's, there's a difference between being surrounded and being supported because we have an idea of what we need in the moment. And when the support doesn't come, it doesn't matter how many people are around us, it does not feel like we really have people with us. The cave might be providing some physical safety. The people around him might be providing a little bit of relational safety, but David's mental and emotional safety are very much at risk. What are the thoughts that are running through his mind? What are the thoughts that are running through your mind in those moments where you feel like you've had to escape and sure there might be people around you, but you don't feel supported. You feel isolated. You feel lonely and you feel so overwhelmed that you feel like you need to cry out to God. We start, uh, we start asking these questions that David was probably saying to himself. Oh, these people only want to be with me because they know I'm going to be king one day. These people only want to be with me because they want something from me. These were not the people that David had asked for. But here's the amazing truth that can only come through the power of the gospel, through the power of God. The amazing truth is that these were the people that he needed. Catch this. In the third and final expression of trust in, in, in the psalm, 
the psalmist is, is confident that after God delivers, then the righteous will gather around him and the psalms singer will no longer feel abandoned or alone. But God provided the desires of his heart before he saw the deliverance of his house. Because you know who was in this group, this group of 400 that came around David? In this group, this group that he thought he was alone with, mighty men, people who would go to battle with him, people who stayed with him in the struggle, people that he would count loyal and a part of his journey, people that he needed for his calling. And this is what I want you to hear this morning, City Collective, that you might feel like you are in a cave. You might feel like you are isolated. You might feel like you are escaping something and you're not sure about this person who's around you or this gift that was given to you because all you can see is a, a previous expectation that for you feels unmet. Know this, that God is always at work in your story, that even in the cave, even when you feel lonely and isolated, even when it feels like you are at the end of yourself, God is providing the means for your calling to come into a place of strength and fruition, that God is working in your life, that God is going before you in a way that you could never expect for yourself, that mighty men are going to be in your life, mighty people are going to be around your, around your family, around your story in a way that you have always longed and desired for but didn't even see coming because God is not giving up on you. God provided the desires of his heart before he provided the deliverance of his house. They didn't look the part, they didn't act the part, but they would end up playing the parts needed in David's story. And we need to ask ourselves key questions. How have we allowed our discontent in our season distract us from God's provision? How has our discontent become a distraction? And what we can do with that, when we recognize our discontent, this is what we simply do to a gracious, loving God. We bring it to God and we say, God, forgive me for the discontent of my heart. Give me the courage to turn around and to see the work that you are doing in my life. Give me the courage to, to, to believe with hope, to have faith, even though my circumstances might look otherwise, give me the courage that I need. In your cave, you're going to find things. You're going to discover things. You're going to receive things that you don't really know that you need in the moment, but God has a plan for later because nothing is wasted in the hands of God. I know for myself that I went through a season of my life where I got uh, education in everything but church ministry and uh, biology and engineering and, and in business, and I got all these different elements of education. Then I come to this place where I'm like, oh, God, you want me to be part of starting a church? And I ask, I ask God, what was all that about? Well, it gave me context. It gave me purpose. It gave me strength. It built up social abilities. It built up an, an intuitive line of thinking. It gave me a, a, a desire to have intellect tied into faith. It shaped the way that I speak and I interact. And nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Nothing is wasted in the hands of God. All are used for his greater purpose. And if the cave that you're feeling doesn't look like the way that you were expecting, know that God is still working and able to use it for his good. There are some things that just need to happen in the cave. 
And there's only some things that we can have the courage enough to speak in the cave, our complaints, our struggles to discover who God really is. David, he starts Psalm 142 trapped in a cave, but he ends Psalm 142 coming out of his prison. He starts Psalm 142 with the cave as his safe place, but he ends Psalm 142 knowing that God is his refuge and nothing by any means can harm him. He started with the complaint, but by the time he was done, he was filled with praise. And I'm not stopping where I started. I'm not staying where it's safe. I'm not sticking with my stronghold. Do you feel like you're running from something, church? Do you feel like you've gone to this place of escape? Know this, that at the end of it all, we can discover that our security is not found in our place of escape, but in the presence of our almighty God. And how do you get into the presence of God? Well, you seek godly wisdom. You, you plug yourself into church community. You commit time of personal devotion and discipleship that you start to centralize your life around the person of Jesus. If you want to discover the presence of God, know that it is not far away, but it requires you to have an intentionality of your life, not to go and run after something that's in the distance, but to focus our eyes upon that which is close, that which is near, that which is available to you, showing up for church on a Sunday is, is a powerful way to bring some context to your life, to bring some accountability, to build some relationships that are filled with godly wisdom for you to ask questions to in the midst of your struggle. Get in the presence of, of God's people. Get in the presence of God in your own home. Start doing devotions in the morning, spending time listening to, to music and in prayer. These are ways in which we invite the presence of God to be more than just a nice idea, but at the central, uh, central element of our life. This is why the Bible says, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because often when we are running, how does it work? If I'm running from something, uh, what am I doing? I'm looking back. I'm checking my shoulder. I'm constantly afraid of what's behind me instead of fixing my eyes and aware of where, it's, where I'm going. And I might just actually stumble upon something that I feel will protect me, that I feel might help me, that might make me feel better, but it's not the place of refuge that we actually need. I've actually kept my eyes back instead of forward. What do we need to do this morning, church? We need to start looking forward. Stop running. Stop looking back as you've been running and know that God is with you and he is for you. That he's prepared a place for you to discover healing and peace and health in a way that you have always desired. A refuge that you so desperately need, that I so desperately need. Real life struggle is bound to come, but we are invited to fix our eyes, to bring all of our complaints and worries to the capable throne of God, and to discover that our place of greatest healing, our place of refuge, our place of safety is in relationship with the living God. God wants us to come to him. And as we close this morning, know that David, he ended up going to a place where he felt safe, but it wasn't where his purpose was. You've got a purpose, church. You've got a calling on your life. And where you are is never too far for God to meet you there, but it's not the place that he wants to leave you at. So would you do something with, this me, with me this week? Would we take a posture similar to David, similar to him in this cave? Would we empty out our complaints before the throne of God and discover for ourselves in the midst of that, that there is actually praise and joy and promises to, to be found on the other side of it. Every morning to speak out loud, to speak our hearts and to talk with God and to pray with him. 
Let me read for you just a slightly altered uh, prayer from Henry Nguyen. He says, Dear God, I am so afraid to open my clenched fists. Who will I be when I have nothing left to hold on to? Who will I be when I stand before you with empty hands? Please help me to gradually open my hands and to discover that I'm not what I've done. I'm not what I've owned. I'm not what I feel, but who you say I am, what you want to give me, and the healing you have for me. Father, would you meet us in our caves? That you would show us our refuge as we look to escape. That you would provide the healing we need, the courage we need to come before you with honest, open hearts, knowing that we will be met by the transformational, revelational, all-loving God of the universe that meets us in our struggle. Give us the courage to speak aloud this week and to let, let go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.